What's up, y'all? It's Catherine Budig here, and I just want to remind you, if you're enjoying our show, that you can support us by joining the Inky Phoenix. And how do you do that? You go to inkyphoenix.binderybooks.com, where you can become a member there, and that will not only help support our book club, this money is going to go towards publishing books through Inky Phoenix Press and being part of our amazing community with so much bonus content. So much bonus content. We are in the middle of picking potentially our first book that we publish. So this is an excellent time to join us and become part of the community and just figure out how amazing it is to shake up the publishing world and make this a more equitable place for writers. I'm Kate Fagan. And I'm Catherine Budig. And this is Free Cookies, a humorous podcast filled with thoughtful conversations and offering delicious takeaways. Oh, you're so good at that. Don't tell people that that was not the first take. You know what I think about every time we do this is how my past life when I was younger, I used to be a theater actor and I used to memorize entire plays and perform them in front of people. And I kept it all in my brain. And now you can't even nail that one sentence. I don't even know how to introduce our own podcast. (laughs) All right. It is free cookies and we've got a lovely guest today. Yes, we do. We have Michelle Davis of the Bad Manners recipe and cooking, like naughty cooking empire. This is naughty. Naughty Naughty. cooking empire. Naughty. It would be hard. And it's a fun conversation about how she built recipes, inspiration, all of that stuff. But it got me thinking about how in our domestic lives, domestic relationships, so sexy, domestic lives, you, I mean, I think, you know, it's, this is quite obvious to um, anyone who knows us and probably obvious to the entire universe that... Um, you do all of the cooking in the house. All of, well, I mean, I did just make us some peanut butter toast. And I do attempt. And I had to ask you to toast it further. <laughs> you were like, I'm going to make I'm some. Like, could you turn my toast into toast? Can can we make some modifications to the <laughs> shitty toast you've been making me? And so it was really happening. I do try to like, during the day, when we like make a smoothie or make toast or something like that, I try to do it just to like keep you out of the kitchen. But like any meaningful meal that we're going to eat, you cook it. And I just like I know I ask you this all the time, and I and I do think that I like am like profusive in my praise, effusive. Uh, yeah, I don't think profusive is a word. Okay, let's just let's just say I'm effusive in You're my praise. Yeah. Um. Well, I'll look up that other word later. Um. <laughs> do you ever get resentful? Mm. No, no, never resentful ever. I I think what happened is I've always cooked, but in 2020. During the pandemic, I cooked every single day, right? We had no other choice, which was great for me as a chef because it really upped the ante for what I could make. However, <laughs> I do think I burnt out a little bit. And I it, it's, it's kind of a catch-22 because, and catch-22 sounds too negative, but I love how much you love my food. Like, it really fuels me that you get so excited to eat my food. And if I'm being completely honest, I love eating my food because I get to eat exactly what I want to eat and season it the way I want it to be seasoned. But I do sometimes, when the end of the day rolls around, just not the last thing I want to do is go get in the kitchen and prepare something. And I literally do not how I don't know how to do something in a simple way. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, well, well obviously, at the end of the day, you don't want to cook. And I'm like, get your ass in there, woman. I, Yes. Um, but yeah, not really. That doesn't that's happen. That's our relationship. But um, 
Yeah, sometimes you'll be like, you know what? I'm just gonna like take this can of beans and like boil some pasta and throw it together. And I'm like, okay, see you in an hour. Because like all of a sudden, like five minutes in, once the water is boiling, you're like chopping up parsley. And then all of a sudden, I, I I hear onions sizzling, and I'm like, what happened to the can of beans and the pasta being mixed together? I mean, I even think for like mamafuku instant noodles is a good example. That is probably the bougiest level of instant noodle. Yes, you but it's get. still an instant noodle. It's an instant noodle, and David Chang is genius. But even with that, like, it's kind of nice to add some yeah. mushrooms to it and some fresh green onion at the end and, like, a little more soy sauce and, you know, chili crisp is nice. Um, and then maybe a side salad. And, then, <laughs> you know, you want some, like, green greens. I, it's so hard. It is so hard. I do want to eat out more often, but, you know, it's like I don't feel great after we eat out. Mm -hmm. And I know when I cook, like, I'm going to feel pretty solid because I've seen every single ingredient that goes in. I have, I have another question. Okay. Hit me. Okay. So... You're aware, but listeners aren't, that I have labeled myself the kitchen manager. You are the kitchen manager. And that's just a way of me feeling important about what happens in that mm -hmm. area, even though I'm inconsequential. Mm -hmm. And I don't pretend like this is important. Obviously, I'm doing manual labor. Oh, I'm, I mean, I'm 100% doing the dishes. Are you going to ask me if I would not be as messy if I knew I had to clean it up myself? No, 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 no. I don't even think you're that. I don't even think you're that messy. I I've heard horror stories about people who use like as many dishes as they can. Yeah. And, you know, the chefs who like don't even touch any of the dishes. You you like if you have some downtime, you like do stuff. I do. I, I like to keep it tidy. The question well. is this. Do you think I'm a good kitchen manager? <laughs> I think. And be honest. I think my mom kind of took a slam on you last night about that. Was that a little bit of a slam? No, she said she wishes she could outsource me. Outsource. Okay. Or, I mean, she wanted to hire me, but I mean, I don't I, think she was judging how good it was. You want me to put this in a list of what I think you could do better because I know you like lists. <laughs> I mean, you could also say a couple things I do well before you <laughs> before you get to the things I don't do well. But yes, I I mean, I would outsource you as well because you were an excellent kitchen manager. Okay, thanks. Good start. Um, and there's a lot of joy in knowing that my duty is done once we sit down to the food and I don't have to get back up again. Okay. That, that is huge. And I know there's never an argument there. It's just our roles. It is what it is. That's really nice. If I were to ask for a few tweaks. Okay. I have a thing about the stove being really clean. And, you know, when you're cooking, it's impossible to keep the stove clean. I have a thing that I don't care how clean the stove no, is. No, definitely don't. <laughs> and so I will come downstairs the next day and there's still just like, you know, that like, glutinous salty pasta water that gets stuck on the stainless steel and just like crumbs that are attached to the grate and and in smudges and stuff and that like makes me crazy and I understand it's so annoying there's something about picking up those grates and lumping it on my side and then it's not just wiping it down because it smears so you have to like clean it and then you have to make sure that you rub the smears off it's like a whole thing I understand I would like it if you did that better <laughs> um I've gotten a little better at it over the last month as in, I don't do it every night, but like I've probably done it more in the last month than I've ever done like, it I think before. You at least did it once in the last. I month. did it three times. Three times. Three okay. times. Okay, three times. Yes, that's a good. That's, that's probably number. That's probably fifteen times fewer than you wished I had done it. It's like rubbing my little stove genie three times. <laughs> <laughs> but you're but but just to like chime in on that one, you're right that one of the reasons I sometimes I I am loath to begin that chore is because then then the elements of perfectionism that I do have. Mm take over because it does get streaky mm -hmm. 
And then once I get going on it, like I want it to look good. And if I like look at it and it's clouded and I, then I'm like, oh, then I got to get the other thing and then I got to get the stainless. And then I and then it starts to okay. become like a whole process. And so sometimes I'm like, which is obviously not a great solution so for the kitchen would, manager. What would be like if we reverse roles? Would that be me like choosing not to pickle the red onions because I just like don't want to go into the detail of pickling the onions? That's brutal. <laughs> <laughs> Putting it that way is really, really brutal because you know much I love pickled red onions. I know how to get rid of. Wow. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna try to do even better than I've been doing, and I've been doing better at that. Do you want those perfectly pickled pickle? I love. Pickled Whenever onions. you say you're pickling red onions, I'm like, it's gonna be a good night. And we are gonna talk about that with Michelle Davis. Yes, it's true. As we bring her on, was that the end of the list of the kitchen manager? I mean, that's really my number one. I think the other thing is like, you know, sometimes we'll like be high by the time dinner rolls around, and there's definitely nights or no, rather mornings where I'll be like, she was a little high when she was putting stuff away. You know, like things that should be in the refrigerator and the cabinets and vice versa. Oh, really? That's one I didn't know. Like like a sauce that should be in the yeah. fridge? Sometimes there's like randomly located stuff. Um, I, I, I wish you wouldn't put like half-eaten apples and raw onions just like into the refrigerator <laughs> if they could always <laughs> be put into like a bag. So That's not just laziness. It's also like I hate like that, you know, like a plastic bag. Like but I'm like trying not to. Whereas you can put it in a little. That's tumbler. true. You know what? I didn't even think of that. That solves that. I'll, I can start doing that. Okay. <laughs> Although the apples, I don't know, because I like to just be able to reach in there and like take a bite and a hand, and a and a spoonful of yeah, peanut butter. Yeah, an apple in our refrigerator right now that's been there for at least like a week. Days. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Are we? Um. The only last thing I'll ask in this um therapy session is. Part of my duties is the kitchen manor, I, I guess, or like I, I do try to go to the store more than you because I know that that can also You're be an annoying. You're when I'm tired about going to the store for me. And I yeah. really appreciate that. Do you wish that I was on top of ordering the olive oil ahead of time or are you okay to be like, we're running out of olive oil? Or do you, are you like, are you a kitchen our, manager or aren't you? In our relationship, I, if anything needs to be ordered online, it's my job. Everything. Except for coffee stuff. Except for oat milk and coffee. Which is part of your obsession, so that makes sense. But I would say that <laughs> I'm selfish. Everything else. You're magnanimous and I'm selfish. I'll even like this morning, I was like, you know, let's get Ragnar a squeaky tennis ball because we found one at the dog park and he freaked out and it was amazing. And I was like, can you can you just like get us a squeaky tennis ball? And then it's like, people boop up. Look at here. You can get this on Amazon. Can you order it for us? Well, this that's not totally fair because you have the Amazon Prime account. I don't even have a Prime account. Yeah. So you can just hit one button and it's coming to us. Whereas like if I if I had to buy something on Amazon, I have to like put all my information in, mm -hmm. put my credit card in, put our address in. It would take me seven minutes and it would take you seven seconds. Mm -hmm. Truly. So I reject that criticism. Apple Pay, maybe. It doesn't. Why would we? Why would we pay for shipping when you have Amazon Prime? Just saying, y'all. I order all the things online except for oat milk and coffee and any sneakers I want. Yeah, you've been a little like sneaker sneakerless, okay, lately. But that I mean, you've been mm -hmm. up for it with hoodies and basketball shorts. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Do you think it's time to get to the meat? The vegetarian meat of this episode. Let's get to the meaty, which, by the way, is a really good brand. Meaty. It not, is. not sponsored. Okay. All right. Let's bring on our plant-based genius, Michelle Davis. I love it. 
Michelle Davis is the mastermind behind all your favorite recipes and five uh, award-winning cookbooks. Born and raised in the Bay Area, she has been cooking up inventive plant-based meals since she could reach the oven. Her passion for great food, accessible recipes, and veganism has allowed her to shape what hits our plates for the last 10 years. Michelle and her recipes have become a staple in home cooking around the globe since the publication of her first book in 2014. Now she has written three New York Times bestselling books, published in over eight different languages, and heads an award-winning brand with her longtime business partner and photographer, Matt Holloway. Her newest book, Hungry as Hell, is out now. Okay, Michelle. Yes. We have a lot to talk about since we've seen you last. Yes. The world has changed. The world has <laughs> changed in many, many ways. Um, I know where I want to spend the majority of the conversation because, you know, there's some really exciting stuff to ask you. However, let's start here because the last time you were on Free Cookies, this was before you had rebranded. Yes. And perhaps you want to just walk our listeners through the choice to rebrand to Bad Manners. Um, you know, it was, it, it's interesting. The idea of rebranding had never been in the ether, right? It was either stop or continue, right? There was never a conversation about changing course. I don't think that was in the world even for, for most brands. And so um, when 2020 came um, and all the protests and everything, it was such a good and clear opportunity for us to voice how we truly feel instead of, you know, putting ourselves in this position to um, be misunderstood, to have a gray area. And so we wanted to be emphatic about our choices. And so, um, you know, while everything was in flux, it's like one more thing, here we go. Um, and we rebranded the cookbooks and it took us less than two weeks. I can't imagine um, being granted that opportunity um, in the times before, but I'm so grateful for it because now it just feels like the brand is so much more in align with what we were trying to get across without the distraction um, of the name, which obviously caused a lot of problems for a lot of people. And um, I didn't, I no longer wanted to come off as insensitive to that. Well, once it was done, were you like, why didn't we do that sooner? Like, were you thinking yeah, it was going to be some know. huge thing? And then it turned out like, oh, wow, we just could have switched that. Yeah, it's so, it, done it. it's so yeah, it's like so many things, right? Where you realize that the prison door isn't locked. Yeah. 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 And you're like, oh, I, but you know, um, when the first book went viral, I had no experience. I, I came from a grocery store to yeah, going on an international book tour in a year and a half. So I, <laughs> there were a lot of things I didn't know how to do um, and entirely rebrand a company um, was one of them. And so um, I was really, I feel very blessed for the opportunity. Um, and glad that people saw us through that transition and had some grace for us um, so that we could be closer in line to how we truly feel. And Hungry as Hell, the, the yeah. new cookbook, by the time y'all are listening to this, it will be out in the world and hopefully already in your hands. Let's see it. Let's see it. Let's see it. Yeah. It's beautiful. Thank you so much. It's, yeah, I'm very the, I actually, I mean, your recipes are unbelievable, but something that I love about your branding is your photography is epic. Can you walk us through, like, what was the impetus of the idea for Hungry as Hell to the here we are, it's in the world? 
You know, I really wanted it to be, you know, Brave New Meal was like our transition book. It was kind of coming out of the pandemic, um, starting this new week. So it was a little dark. It kind of was more reflective of this, you know, global experience that we'd all gone through. And I wanted Hungry as Hell to be brighter, but also more personal. So I kind of took it as um, one of my recipe notebooks. I keep recipe notebooks. I've done it for years long before um, I started writing cookbooks. And so I wanted to feel a little bit more homey, a little bit more in person. And so the photography Instead, you know, we used to try to create like worlds with each photo where it was kind of trying to tell a story. And this, we really wanted it to feel homey, lived in. You're at your friend's house, you're at your mom's house, you're at your grandma's house, having this wonderful food. You're famished, you're filling yourself, um, and you don't have to be ashamed of your wants or desires. That, you know, it's okay to take up space, particularly as a woman. It's okay to own your hunger and your appetite, particularly as a woman. And, um, there is power in the home and in your hunger. What is, can you take us through a couple of the things that you do differently now when you're making a cookbook that you didn't do the first cookbook? Like things that you're like, wow, now you're more streamlined or like now you're doing something differently that you're like, how did we ever even put out that first cookbook? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, the first cookbook, yeah, it was just like fly by the seat of my pants. Um, so now when I'm like collecting the recipes for the cookbooks, I'm able to think about the final layout and be like, oh, nope, too many noodles. Like I can't do like I'm better at that. So there's not so much back and forth of having to change recipes or move, you know, key ingredients around. And then with the photography, I'm I know now what dishes will not look good, will look good, what angles we need to use, the plates and everything like that. So it's just so much smoother and I'm not gonna my my book's not gonna be full of a bunch of just brown food <laughs> it's so tasty though that's isn't that the problem I was beige it tastes so good but like the, I don't feel like every day like people who don't make cookbooks for a living realize yeah. that like there are certain recipes that will never really be in a cookbook because yeah. everyone knows that it will photograph like shit yes which is yeah it's a strange insider thing to know like what is there like I mean, I can't even think of one off the top of my head, but whenever Catherine I mean, makes something, she's like, yeah. this is not going to No, it's not going to look good. You've got to throw yeah. some fucking parsley on that or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Soups are very difficult because most of the magic is underneath, right? And yeah. so, and you have to really go for it with the toppings. Um, any sort of gravy situation. Yeah. Uh, and potato things can be difficult. Yeah, and so you're not really going to want to load those in the cookbook because you're like, this is ugly as hell. And then people are going to think, I don't know how to cook. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Have you ever created recipes from the starting point of an aesthetic thinking this will be really beautiful Something. and look great in my cookbook? Yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, you don't know, only when I'm asked to do stuff for like magazines or things yeah. like that, am I really mindful of it? Um, after the fact, I'll sometimes add on like, oh, this needs pickled onions or whatever, you know, like I'll judge when I'm really planning out the photography. But I try to be, you know, I want these recipes to be practical. Um, there's so much aesthetic cooking online um, and people can do that all day if they want. But um, I just want people cooking at home for themselves. Um, and so the best way to do that, I think, is to not set people up for failure. Okay, well, I, we can definitely keep talking about food. However, we yeah. just pivot for a second. Okay, after we talk to your personal life. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sure, go ahead. <laughs> uh, I I don't remember exactly when this was, but I believe maybe it was waiting photos was the first thing I saw yes. pop up on your social media. Uh huh. And um, you are now married to an amazing human. my wife. 
the best. wife. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And for listeners, um, obviously our story, I don't know if our story is similar, but I just love seeing the queer family expand. And yes. if you'd like to share any of how sure. you met and fell in love, we are here for it. Um, you know, the beginning of the pandemic was very hard. Um, I went through a breakup and I realized I was like, ugh, I have not dedicated enough time in my life to dating women. Um, and part of that I wanted to have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, part of that was my emotional maturity. Like I needed um, to get to a place with myself where I could accept that kind of love that I actually wanted, you know, and I, I had been so far away for that for so long. And so once I kind of did the work that I needed to do a year later, I was like, here we go apps, you know, the vaccines are rolling out. Let's try this. Um, I got on her and yeah, it's a little teeny boutique. Yeah. It's, okay. it's a little, it's just basically for everyone, but straight men. Um, <laughs> and it was, a great experience. Um, and then I, I remember actually swiping and seeing my wife, Kiria, and she has these adorable dimples, like killer smile, great pomp, not unlike yourself. And um, I was like, oh, come on, like swipe back. So I, and it was like a couple of days. I was like this. I can't believe her. Can't <laughs> believe her. And, uh, and then she messaged me and we had a like Skype date, you know, and it went on for 14 hours. Whoa. Wait, consecutive? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We were just chat, 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 chatting. And um, it started at 7 a.m. Yeah. It was a lot. It was a lot. <laughs> and um, it has just been so beautiful ever since. I didn't, I didn't think I was going to be one of the people that got to fall madly in love. Um, you know, I'm just like a very practical um kind of strategic person and so it was so wonderful to be surprised by love and it has been so beautiful and so we got we moved in together a year later we got engaged a year and a half and then we got married this uh february well congratulations oh thank you so much um okay take me back to the statement i haven't given enough time in my life to dating women yes like take me back it up back it up you know it was just something that i i realized that i had kind of deprioritized my in my life just out of kind of convenience and it was just not i you know i think 2020 was a, a moment of clarity for a lot of us being like where we were in life maybe what we weren't necessarily where we wanted to be and with people we wanted to be next to and so i was trying to be really true to myself and be like what do i need if i'm rebuilding my world um, and that's when I was like, it, it's dating women. Like that's, that's where I should have been the whole time. And it was so wonderful that the world quieted down just long enough for me to hear that voice to myself. And had you dated women before, or was this an aha moment of, I want I, to, or I should go back to dating women? Well, I was a women's studies major in college. Um, <laughs> we know what that means. Yeah. So, um, no, I had definitely dated women before, but it had never been as serious as I wished I would have let it been. What was yeah. so you, well, you, this is intimate, but like, what was the yeah. what was the work you needed to do the year before you got on her? Um, you know, just being more aligned with myself. I had been dating people who were not kind to me. Um, because I was not kind to myself, you know, so how could I have people in my life 
like to be in my corner if I wasn't there. And so I had deprioritized my own needs so much that when, you know, this kind of big life changing event rolls through all of us, I was able to be like, what the hell am I doing? Like Mm -hmm. y'all are a bunch of assholes. Why am I? (laughs) Why am I? And why do I think that's enough? And experiencing this robust kind of love, I feel very lucky to understand. How has that affected your work? Does it make it more colorful or do you like, wow, I don't want to work. I just want to love. I just want to be off and playing or. It's like that movie Pleasantville when, you know, everything was black and white and then the world pours into color. It really feels, but it's very much like the rebrand where I was like, oh, the prison doors weren't locked. Like how, how did I not see this part of like the whole world? And why did I think I, I only wanted to eat crumbs? You know, instead of a full Thanksgiving spread, which is what I have in my life now with my wife. And it it makes everything better. It makes me so much more creative. I think the recipes in this book are my best ever because I was cooking for her. You know, I I this is these are all the recipes I made through our engagement, you know, us planning and replanning our weddings, having people over, having her to get to know my family and all my friends. And so it's so it's just I think you can taste it. And this is the fourth, your fourth cookbook? Yeah. Wow. Okay. I and now, I, I might just be projecting myself onto this question, but yeah. are you still like cookbooks are where it's at? Like, I want to make cookbooks for the next 25 years, or are you like, okay, fifth cookbook, where, like, am I into doing cookbooks forever? Like, where are you on that? I, I love cookbooks because I think, more than any other medium for recipes, people really, you become a part of their lives, right? You're, the pages get dirty and dog-eared and they they write in the margins of, you know, how they've changed the recipe and then it becomes theirs. It's not mine anymore. That being said, I do want to get into other media. I'm so happy to be cooking along with you, Catherine, and um, <laughs> doing all of that stuff. I would like to do more of that because you can reach a broader audience, but my heart will always be with cookbooks. Um, it's how I learned to cook. Um, and I've had a beautiful experience writing these five books. And what has it been like with, you know, TikTok and all of the free viral recipes? Is that affecting cookbook sales? Does it make like more Absolutely. difficult? Absolutely, it does. And, you know, I feel like I, I went viral before an algorithm, you know, and so it was still chronological feed. Um, it was peer-to-peer sharing, that kind of stuff. So it is harder Um, to break through the noise on social media with recipes that aren't stunts. Because like I said, I so often want to cook. This is food for real people. I want people cooking at home. It'll solve so many of our problems if we become self-sufficient. I don't like corporations cooking for people. People should be cooking for people. And too often all like the TikTok recipes, though there's beautiful, wonderful content on there too. Um, It's just really stunty. Or it's not really a recipe. You're just gathering pre-made box stuff and mushing it together. Yeah. It seems like a lot of like pour oil on a block of feta cheese. Yeah, exactly. Add tomatoes and then voila, you have sauce. It's like, and you know, and, and that's great every now and then, but if that's the bulk of how you prepare food, that's not good for you. It's not good for the planet. Like Mm. it's not good for, it's not, it's not good. (laughs) And so I wish that we can move a little bit away from kind of stunt wasteful recipes ultimately you know where they build these burgers that are ridiculous like you're just wasting food 
Okay. One question, one debate we, well, not debate, one, one thing we talk about a lot is when Catherine finds a recipe from wherever uh-huh. and then makes it and does a few things different. And then I'm like, you shouldn't do this for Hungry Phoenix, which is like this. Yeah. But she has, well, you know, because you're going to be cooking yeah. on House of Phoenix. On House of Phoenix. Yeah. Um, she's like, it's not mine. It's, yeah. Well, well, and I'm like, well, you also did like seven different things in it. <laughs> so, like, at, at what, in your mind, at what point does a recipe become yours? You know, I, I'm very much in the same mind frame as you, Catherine, where it's like, oh, it's inspired by. I think yes. Joy the Big did a great job when she kind of shares recipes that she's tweaked, being like inspired by this recipe from so-and-so. Um, but I think it becomes yours. Yeah, when you cook it kind of without thinking, mm-hmm. really. And you're just like, you're when it becomes an art, when you're in the flow of it. Then you're like, oh, this is mine. I'm I'm adding, I'm cooking in a totally different way than what's written. A lot of things can be inspired, but like nobody's reinventing the chocolate chip cookie, right? Yeah, it's like I, I feel like you you really have to get many steps beyond the recipe as written. And then you have to bring your style to it. Yeah. Right. It's like when somebody um kind of paints, no matter what, it's going to be their style regardless, right? And so I feel like cooking is the is the same way. If you're a, a regular cook, you have a way you like to do things, a style that will show up regardless. And what do you do when you need inspiration? Like, do you have certain cookbooks you always go to? Or does your wife cook? Uh, she does cook, which has been such a blessing because I uh, people don't cook for me. <laughs> Not to call you. Wait, so, so your wife cooks for you? Yeah. It's really, it's, it's a lot of fun because, you know, she'll cook my recipes too. And so she'll help me test things and she'll be like, hold on, I was confused here or this and that. So it's super helpful and just such a treat to have somebody else cook for me. But luckily she's a very hungry person like myself. And so there's no shortage of inspiration, um, whether it's, we go out to eat and we're like, oh, I really like the sauce. We should find a way to like do something yeah. with this. Or it's, you know, I have a lot of foodie friends, and so I'm so lucky to get to eat with them um, and be inspired that way. And then just being in the world, I'm just hungry as hell, hence the title. And um, I'm always wanting to have a new delicious bite. I don't get to travel as much as I'd like because, you know, I've been writing these cookbooks for the last 10 years. Um, And so I try to travel, you know, through taste and remembering things that I have eaten before on my travels and book tours that I've loved so much that I wish I could have again. So I create at home. And what are you the hungriest for, both for food and in life? You know, in life, I just want to find like some meaningful ease, you know, like these, I don't, these last years have been so hard on so many of us. And I want to keep feeling like I'm moving forward and I'm doing the work, but I want to feel a little bit more lightness to it, yeah. you know, and I'm, I'm hungry for that part of life, the confidence of being a little bit older, a little bit wiser, a little more battle tested and the the ease that should bring to my gate. And then for food, man, I can't help. It's carbs. Like I will like savory carbs. Like I will give up dessert any day of the week, any day of the week. To just have more carbohydrates on my plate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so okay. good. I I'm really <laughs> pumped for House of Phoenix. Michelle, yeah. well, that will super- already be available. Yeah. You won't be able to do it live at this point if you're listening, but you will be able to watch it. You're gonna walk us through. It's your garbanzo and tahini 
orzo soup. Oh, I want to yeah. eat that. Yeah. Yeah, my I, I'm orzo is like so silky. Why is it such a silky little? Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, it's so perfect. And the tahini and the broth really adds this like long summer taste to the soup. Um, and it's so easy, but it I, I it, as soon as I figured it out, it became like rotation just until I almost hated it. I was, you know, like one of those where you just yeah. binge eat. Yeah, 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 yeah. I want to go through that. And soup is such a good way, especially if people are learning to cook or trying to build up their confidence. Soup is a great way. You can really adjust those flavors, add more broth, add more this to get it how you like to cover up any shortcomings you might feel. And that recipe is a great one. It's pretty foolproof. Where did that recipe come from? Do you remember the inspiration that started it? Yeah, I wanted, like, I'm not a big creamy soup person. Um, and yeah. so like, what, like, what about yeah, like, yeah, oh, like coconut milk? Is that okay in a soup for you? Yeah, or is that yeah that, that's okay. That's okay. But the chowdery is what I'm talking yeah. about. That yeah. Okay. Chowdery, chunky, chunky creamy. Yeah. No, no, thank you. Um, but I wanted something, you know, that had that same kind of look, but had like a smoky depth. And I was like, oh, tahini, like will be perfect. And then I just really wanted to bring some Greek flavors and some brightness to the soup. Um, and it's yeah. It's one of my favorites. I'm so glad you picked that recipe. <laughs> I am so excited. Everything looks so amazing. Okay, for yeah. someone who wants your cookbook, who, who has obviously ordered it during this conversation because they can't contain themselves, um, like, what are the top three recipes that you're like, just start with these, trust me? I mean, the red chilaquiles are, you know, yeah, yeah come on. It's breakfast food, <laughs> perfect. Um, I really do. I know I just dessert early, but I like my midnight chocolate cake a lot. Um, <laughs> And I perfected that like in the middle of the night, my wife was like, I really want a little bit of something. And then we just started working on this chocolate cake. And then when I nailed it, we just like freaked out. And it was just like, you don't need to be able to bake to bake. Yeah, no, no. Okay. okay. Yeah. And then you just drizzle that like, it's supposed to be messy and fun. And ugh, it absolutely was. Is mm-hmm. the midnight referring to the color or the time of but, night oh, when you make yeah. it? The time of night when I make oh, it. Oh, it's, 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 like, oh, it's a kind of cake when you're like, shit, we don't have dessert, but we want yeah. to do a little summer. Yeah, yeah. You come home and you're just like, let's keep the party going. Yes, yes. That normally ends up as dates getting dumped into something in our house. Oh yeah, we we usually eat dates where we don't know what to do. Oh my gosh, I. Why aren't you here in California? Are dates better than anyone? Uh, Oh, good dates are the best in the world. Okay, we got a couple minutes left before trivia. We have a joke in our house when we're talking about something Catherine has cooked. Yeah, like if we're trying to figure out what it's missing, I always yeah. say, I'm usually right, pickled red onions. Like it, I had it, pickled red onions on my English muffin this morning, so yes. yeah. <laughs> Is there an ingredient that you joke about or like you're talking with your wife, what's this missing? Like you always put something on it. And I mean, like I'll say this even if it's like a dessert, I'll be like pickled red onions, that's what it needs. Do you yeah, have a go-to flavor like that? Uh, usually it's an acid, so it's like a vinegar or lemon juice. It's a pickle. It's pickled red onion. You're pickled- yeah, basically, yeah, okay. yeah. For a while, it was sumac. Sumac, yeah. <laughs> Wait, okay, what do you think about pickled raisins or like reconstructed raisins? I like, guess you know, like the I, the only time I've had like a pickled raisin that I've actually enjoyed was with Persian food. Yeah, uh, you know, so let the geniuses have it, and mm. um, I'm not going to touch it. 
I can't remember what you put pickled raisins in. I will sometimes take, I really like golden raisins and I will often just like throw them in some vinegar or lime juice just while I'm making something. And then like if I make chili, I'll throw them in some vinegar for a little bit. Let them like have a little vinegar breath. And so they're all like, I'm getting plump. I'm excited for spray. (laughs) And on like a cauliflower taco or something. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yes. I know my flavors. Uh, I will say, though, that even though I don't cook at night when, like, it matters, you know, that's when it matters. I do try to do the things during the day. Like, if she needs a peanut butter toast with some honey and some, like, things that do not take a skill set, but, like, are just manual labor. Snack attacks. Yeah. Like, I try to take care of all that stuff, right? Yeah. Okay. That's 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 how I'm chipping in. Yeah. Yeah. She's the kitchen manager. She cleans up. I am the kitchen manager. She cleans up. Yeah, I, I always um, my wife produces dinner while I make. Uh, it produces. I like that. I like that. And I get you like a headset. I don't. Yeah. Produce. I don't even produce. I don't direct. I'm like the stage manager. I'm like her newest thing is she lies on the ground while I'm cooking with her myofascial ball, and she uh-huh. has like this little wild like, animal. All around. Around. <laughs> and just oh, oh. <laughs> and then voila dinner appears <laughs> yeah um, you, you're living the dream so like with your cookbook process right i know uh, from the back machinations of the publishing world i'm sure some yeah. of it is like you have a cookbook do you have to come up with a theme and an idea so it's probably like a convergence of things but how do you know like how do you know when you're ready to do a cookbook or do they tell you you have to be ready? <laughs> uh, you know, in in my experience, I've had to be ready. Yeah. But I also stay ready, right? Like I told you guys about the recipe journals. Like I'm always writing down little things I've enjoyed, memories that have come back to me about like meaningful dishes I've had in the past. Um, and then I just try to, I'll write down almost like a, a, the list of all the recipes that I'm dreaming up. And then I start kind of looking at it, staring at seeing what's coming together, seeing the themes that are like standing out to me and then the visuals that kind of go along with that. Yeah. And then usually uh, it just all it all works out. Thank God. (laughs) So is there already like things percolating in your notebook now, even though your current one hasn't even been released? Yes. Yes. (laughs) it's uh you know not I have uh no plans for another cookbook in the foreseeable future but I cannot help myself especially you know it's been a decade um this is how I do it now this is how I cook always about new fun things to share with people and the things I'm learning you know I'm never going to stop learning in the kitchen um and I don't want my audience to stop learning with me well we are super excited to uh be the beneficiaries of your awesome yes. recipes and everyone please 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 go get this book if you don't have it already you can come over to house of phoenix and cook with us it'll be available yes. and replays under hungry phoenix i'm so excited about that and um y'all we got bonus content so if you're a part of inky phoenix you can check out the uh, you know to like keep the party going the midnight Midnight party is continuing. <laughs> so you can meet us over there if you want a little bit more. Yeah, but if you don't have bonus content, I guess bye. <laughs> See ya. Bye. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining bye. us. Thank you. Thank you. We love you. Congratulations. Bye. I'm always hungry as hell. Yeah, I mean, I really relate to what Michelle says, where it's like, every, she's like, I can eat, 
and I want to just be like have a big bowl full of food. Awakening of your hunger and honoring it is so sexy to me. Yes. Whenever someone really owns their hunger, it's very appealing. I know. I always feel like you and I are the hungry and I say this lovingly, we're like the little hungry hippos at the table. Yeah, whenever we go out to dinner with friends and we drive home and we're like, do we just eat way more than everyone else? Like, I don't need to be polite. If there's a basket of french fries in the middle of the table, I will eat them. I don't, I'm not waiting for them to be distributed in an even. No, I'm not even asking somebody to pass me the basket. I am leaning over the table and grabbing a handful and dipping them in the mayo or ketchup on the way back. Oh, mayo, look at you. That's so sophisticated. That is very Dutch of me. I feel like that mayo with French fry comes from Pulp Fiction of you. Oh, is it in Pulp Fiction too? Yeah, you know. But when I this is a fun little fact at the end of the show, I when I was younger, I gosh, I don't know, I must have been like eleven or twelve, and I hadn't even seen the movie Pulp Fiction. Uh, God, I hope not at eleven. No, but I did have the soundtrack because the soundtrack was amazing. Yes, okay. it it's not was it is amazing. And it was one of those fun soundtracks where they would pull audio clips from the film mm-hmm. like during or intro the song. And so he's got this whole, um, you know, it's the where he's talking about, oh, my God, I haven't thought about it in so long. How embarrassing. But he's talking like a Big Mac and cheese or the like the Royale. And then he ends it with like talking about French fries. And he's like, yeah, they like dunk that shit in mayo. It's disgusting. Oh, wow. OK, you know what? No, no, no. You episode? know what we can do? We can just like slip that audio in here. <laughs> It's gonna be good. We're gonna do it instead of me being like, no, I love it anymore. You know what they put on French fries in Holland instead of ketchup? What? Mayonnaise? Uh, hey. <laughs> I've seen them do it, man. They fucking drown them in that shit. Yeah. But I used to act it out in front of my family all the time. Wow. And they thought it was really funny. Wow. I mean, at least my memory was they thought it was funny. Maybe they were laughing at me, but I thought it was pretty good. I did a nice little Samuel L. Jackson. They rolled their eyes and they're like, here goes Catherine again, acting out Pulp Fiction. Did somebody say mayo? All right, <laughs> you want to tell people who makes this show? This show is made by one of my favorite humans in the entire world, Stephen Johnston. He is coming at you from Belfast, Northern Ireland. And I just love you, Stephen. Thank you. You're gorgeous, Georgie. The best care of us. Do you ever get sick of Americans like trying to do Irish accents? Wait, are you waiting for his response? <laughs> um, and thanks to Michelle Davis for joining us today. And thanks to you, Catherine, for co-hosting this podcast, Free Cookies. And thank you to the kitchen manager for doing a damn good job. Doing a mediocre job. And, and love you so much. <laughs> Until next time. 